Most weight loss programs are short-term fixes, but managing your weight needs a long-term solution. And that's what makes Noom different. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long-term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, everybody, before we get started with this episode of Benched with Bubba, if you love the strategy of season-long fantasy sports and live for the short-term gratifications of DFS, then you have to try out weekly fantasy sports WFS on Owner's Box. Head on over to rotorballer.com backslash box and sign up today. Weekly fantasy sports is the best of daily and season-long. It keeps you engaged through live drafting and new multi-week games. Owner's Box will also be paying out users who bring their friends on board. Watch the real money rewards pile up through their first ever three-tiered referral system. Add friends, create groups, and rank up to uh, up to elevate the trash talk and competition to the next level. But that's not it. Owner's Box will be matching your first-time deposit of up to $500 for any depositors through January 4th. Just head on over to www.rotoballer.com backslash box and sign up today to claim your $500 bonus and join the new wave of weekly fantasy sports. Now, to this episode of Benched with Bubba. back everybody to another episode of benched with bubba episode 331 we are here on new year's eve so most of you probably listen to this 2021 hopefully it's a better time for y'all that'd be great uh but if you before we get into the brass tacks of all this you can follow me on twitter at bdentrick give a rate and review to the podcast be much appreciated and that'll be the last of my sales pitches today because i have a great guest lined up for us we're gonna do some new year's resolutions talk some occasional hot stove information going on and we're gonna talk about value and I value this guy's opinion. You can find mm-hmm. him on Twitter at Deadpool Hitter. He has the Deadpool Hitter podcast. Mr. Rob DiPietro, how we doing, man? I'm doing wonderful, Bubba. I really appreciate you having me out here today. Um, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty wild feeling. You know, last year about this time, I started the whole like getting into deep, heavy podcast listening, and um, you know, had a vision for what I wanted to mind to sound like, and I just started listening to everything. And yours instantly became like one of the go tos, and uh, it's so wild that I'm here talking to you. So it's pretty cool, you know. It's uh, full circle, but it's awesome, you know. I uh, I appreciate all you do, man. You grinding out there every day. It's awesome. It's great to see. It's big motivation for everybody. Well, I appreciate it. And I want to apologize. It's the pull hitter podcast. I always call it Deadpool hitter in my head because you're the Deadpool hitter. It's the pull hitter podcast. If you're looking for it on iTunes, it, yeah, I, I've done it many times. It's the pull hitter podcast, and I should get it. I should get it right because I've been lucky enough to be on the show with my other co-host Toby about <laughs> crazy, and and that was that was a fun one talking about uh, different uh, stuff there and really getting into the kind of 
how do we look at 2020 and going into 2021 uh, conversations like that? So that right. was great. Um, yeah, you've been doing the podcast game. I remember it was probably a little less than a year ago, pretty close to it though. When you were, you're asking me like what kind of microphones you're asking other guys too, not just me, but you're asking yeah. questions, getting all into it. So it's good to see, but the thing that's fun is did you have the vision to do this before you're the $30,000 man or after the $30,000 man? Oh, it was, it was before. <laughs> it was before. You know, I had a, had a pretty horrible end to 2019. It was worse than 2020. So I had a pretty just terrible time and, uh, you know, just pivoted, just like really focused, laser focused on this stuff and um, getting getting it out there. And, uh, you know, it, it's it just ended up great, like how it ended up like me winning. And I just started this journey, ended up, you know, it was a lot easier for me, I guess, to uh, link up with the big hitters, you know. <laughs> it helps. But, uh, it does it, help. It definitely helped. I, I'm definitely grateful about that. But, you know, everyone's awesome. You know, what a what a great community that we're involved with yeah and i remember asking you about the microphones and every little every little technical thing you know watching PitchCon, just learned so much everyone was so helpful um no one ever had a bad thing to say or like didn't respond you know it's really awesome to see that yes the beauty of the community it's uh i've always told any i told anybody that uh is new to it if, my dms are always open for one and b is um never be scared to ask anybody like the community no matter how big the person you think is they're pretty receptive to, to talking. So that's one go-to thing I would say, but I have more to ask you, but I'm going to save that for more of our resolution section. Cool. Yes. Kinda, it kind of lines into to there, I think, about kind of your future for this year and whatnot based on last year. But so we'll go there for that. Let's jump into some recent news. The Padres have been busy, very busy. Agent Preller must have had a heck of a Santa Claus gift come under the, the tree and decided we're going to spend all our money, or, or at least most of our prospects, on some new toys this year. And we'll start with Blake Snell coming over from the Padres. I'm not going to worry too much. Like, we got Patino and stuff. That could be an interesting situation, but there's a lot of question marks there. Blake mm-hmm. Snell coming from Tampa Bay to San Diego. Everyone's talking about more innings. That's like the, the go-to conversation, but I think there's a lot more to it. What's your take on Snell coming to San Diego, and how does that affect uh, his fantasy value for you? Uh, well, you know, Snell, it's funny because I think he's like one of those types of pitchers where – if you're going into a draft and you like to get maybe like three out of your top five picks, I think he's like a perfect three, but also an acceptable two. When I say perfect three, I think it's like if you can hit on like some good pocket aces and then have the best of Snell, I think you're on your way to like a main event type of win. Um, and, I, you know, I think the move to um, the park is kind of like lateral. Um, I, but I think if we get the geographical kind of – um, effects that we had last year, um, he might benefit a little from, you know, facing weaker West team versus I think the teams that he faced um, in the AL and NL East. Um, you know, we hear the term risk with him and yes, it is risky. Definitely going to acknowledge there's a risk there, but I think the injury label is a tad over-exaggerated. I think, um, you know, 2018, he missed 12 days. It was his Cy Young year. He came back firing didn't bother him until a full year after that. He had that fractured toe. That's not a baseball injury. Um, so he goes on the IL for the loose bodies, uh, misses a bunch of games, end of the season, gets the cortisone shot. And then even with the start, stop, start, start type of year, was able to, you know, power through. And what really impressed me 
it's actually I just pulled this up two days ago and I watched it was the infamous game six that he got pulled and I did a little diving because I think a lot of the attention is to whether he should have got pulled or not but we forget like what he did during the game um he had a 21.9% string and strike rate. It was the second highest for him in 2020 and the only pitcher to have over 20% versus the Dodgers in 2020. So it wasn't an easy thing to do versus the Dodgers. Um, what I also found pretty crazy was that the Dodgers swung at 15 of Snell's fastballs and came up empty on eight. And there was only one other pitcher during the regular season and postseason who got that similar type of whiff rate um, on fastballs. He also had a crazy 40% CSW in that game. It was in the top 2% of all starts all year long. And for reference, for context, Giolito's no-hitter was 47 CSW. So the boy had his stuff, Bubba. That's what, I don't know, I went back. I saw he was reaching 97.4. I know the 0.8 mile per hour dip that he saw in his velos in 2018, but he was in the, in the World Series throwing gas, and he wanted to pitch. And... I don't know. When I see that, uh, you know, and in that whole context, I I look at it a little differently. And um, maybe maybe he can give you a similar type season. And even if he doesn't accumulate a ton of innings, I still like what he can do in 170, 160, you know, better than most. I put it that way. Yeah, no, it, it's a really fun debate because I, I know when the game six took place, Many people had different opinions on it, like it's the Rays way, so we, we we stuck with the Rays way. But, you know, it's game six. He's gassed up, like you said. You kind of roll with what got you there. There's just so many different arguments to be made there, and I agree he was dealing. There's no arguments there. Uh, I mentioned on a recent show that um, Blake Snell's press conference when the Padres introduced him, he mentioned a few times that he was looking forward to being on a new team that lets pitchers go past the sixth, and he wants to show people what he can do. And so he had little jabs going back to Tampa Bay. Yeah. So, there, there's a little chip on the shoulder, and you, you can tell Blake's got that. And sometimes that's a great thing to have. Sometimes you can get pitchers throwing too hard, and it adds up being something bad. So there's, 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 yeah. there's, that's why he, he's just such a conundrum about – it's like you said, he's a great number three if you get the elite number three because he is just a couple of years removed from the AL Cy Young. So we know how good he is. Like he is that kind of a pitcher. So it, it's tricky with him. When he's with Tampa, I really didn't want to draft him at all because I, I believe that Tampa does their thing, and – they weren't going to change. Like, they're just not going to. But now in San Diego, it's it's a lot more interesting. We'll talk about Darvish in a minute. So you have those two guys as your aces. There's injury concerns with Lamette. Uh, Paddock's been kind of wishy-washy. The rest of that rotation is kind of tough where they need Darvish and Snell to kind of lead the way and save the bullpen from time to right. time. Right. So, like you're saying, you could see Snell going there. So I guess the question comes down to, if you're looking at, uh, for the reference of the whole podcast, Draft Champions ADP, December 1st till today, the 31st. So we're kind of be looking at, and you got Snell's the 17th pitcher off the board at pick 52. Um, right before him, you got Maeda and Glass now. Right after him, you have the infamous, famous Corbin Burns, and then Zach Plesak, who I know your thoughts on that, so he won't even be in the conversation here. But um, like between Glass now, Maeda, Snell, Burns, does Snell still stand out as the top guy kind of in this range of starting pitchers? He is. For me, he is, yes. Yeah, okay. I – I, I, I'll take the steadiness of Zach Allen, but I just think the upside um, would be better with Snell. Um, and I think if I'm taking Snell, uh, like I said, it would probably be as a, a two or a three. And I, I try to want to, you know, be a little more of a home run pick there rather than steady Eddie Gallon. 
Yeah, so, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm, curious, I'm curious to see how his ADP keeps changing now that he is in San Diego because his high in the month's been 41. So maybe he's been kind of creeping up the last couple drafts since the move's taken place. Right. I guess we'll have, to, we'll have to wait and see because I think there's a lot of validity to the conversation of who's going to throw more innings. And obviously more counting stats, maybe – I think we can probably agree a better offense behind him that might help win more games. Like right. a, lot, a lot of interesting factors there. So right. Snell, Snell's a fun one. And then I mentioned a second ago, you Darvish gets traded from San Diego along with his personal catcher, Victor Caratini. Caratini's fun in deep, deep leagues. He's just going to catch one day every five. Like he might fill in at first base and DH if that comes back. So he's kind of a tough one to evaluate at this point in time. But you got Darvish coming off and a runner-up Cy Young season. Outstanding. Uh, about the second half of 2019 where he was elite. He seems to have figured it out right now with the pitch mix change and, and the, the metrics. Coming over to San Diego, what's your fantasy take there? Because right now he's the fifth guy off the board, which is pretty uh, pretty high already. It's going to be hard to kind of jump the next group. Pretty up there, you know. Um, yeah. I think this all comes down to your your views on like the ageist, um, you know, your you know view on pitchers up there in age and um, how you mitigate risk. You know, if you think he planted the flag and that he's a brand new control pitcher, which it looks like he is. Um, I think you can be comfortable taking him. I won't take him where he's going, but I certainly wouldn't fault anyone for doing so. Yeah, that, that's, that's my, what I feel. Yeah, that's my biggest thing. Because I think the transition from Chicago to San Diego, fantasy wise, you're going to see a pretty similar picture. But right. like, I, you can't really get much higher than what he was doing. He might have a little regression, but I still think he's going to be pretty darn good. Um, the, the hard part will be. Yeah, he's a high pick. Like, <laughs> yeah, there, there, there's, there's, there's a guy you mentioned in the resolution. So I won't bring him up now, but I'm hundred percent with you. I want that guy probably over Darvish. I talked about him on the SP one preview with, with Toby the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I legit think he's got the potential to take that next jump. So we'll get and, to him later. Yeah. That's the guy who I would take there too over him. So yeah. yeah. I, yep. and, and so that, that's, that's, that's a tease listeners to keep listening. <laughs> a little tease. But um, it's, it's just hard to take Darvish who I love, but I loved him last year when he was like in round three. <laughs> it was so much. I know, I know, and like I, it's just one of those things where every time I look at it and I, I question myself, you know, constantly ask myself, should I be more in? You know, should you? You know, and it's just, it's just tough. It's just tough. It's just, it's still only twenty, not like a second half of twenty nineteen into a short season twenty twenty, and you know, it's an impressive run. Don't get me wrong, but it still doesn't. Uh, for me, versus the his whole career, um, and he's up there in age, but. Yeah, like I said, I don't fault anyone for taking him because I could totally see him, you know, being the number four pitcher this year. Yeah, it's about a twenty-five start stretch, so it's not right. like it's a good sample, but not a great sample. So right. that's the part there. Um, last thing we'll talk about for the Padres for now is they're still rumored to be doing more stuff, <laughs> but for now they made a splash in the foreign market. There is uh, an elite middle infield, probably gonna play second base for the Padres, but played shortstop in the KBO. Um, ha Sung Kim, Kim Ha Sung Kim. Uh, came over, signed with the Padres, about six to seven mil a year. That's not important here. What's important is this guy has, has power and speeds, uh, depth charts, projection, uh, 244 average, 22 homers, eight stolen bases. I know Jeff Erickson on Rotowire, he tweeted out the other day about a low 20s, like mid teen stolen base guy, like a 270 ish average, because he hit around 300 for most of the last four years in, in the KBO with about 20 plus homers and 16 or more stolen bases. Like his three main years, he dominated. So, it looks like a very, very good ball player, and he's still right. young. 
what does this do for you in, in the grand scheme of things? He's going to be shortstop eligible in the NFBC. He's like the 17th shortstop off the board. But obviously when you're drafting sometime in the season, he becomes second base eligible. Uh, what, what's your whole take on Kim? Man, it's funny too, because when we were doing the best ball draft, you know, and I was like, um, I think I was looking for him. I forget what, because there were like three drafts going on. And I don't, praise to, to Derek and Brian Seymour. I don't know how they do 10 at a time or however much. Yeah, that's because I was like, what what league do I have this guy in? Like, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's a pretty interesting profile. So I went to just try to watch some video because I didn't see too much of it. And he had a pretty interesting swing. Um, it looks like it could translate to some power. I don't know how much power, but he got some thunder in his bat, you know, and he, he, uh, he walked more than he struck out. So you don't know how that's going to translate, but that's still a, a good thing to see. Um, and he doesn't seem to be sacrificing any hard contact, you know, to be, uh, to not strike out. And he's averaging a good 20 ish, 21 homers a season. So, um, I don't know, on video, it looks good from what the scouts say. It looks good. Uh, you know, what, 12 to 15 homers, maybe 15 stolen bases. There's not too many guys who do that as is. Um, so there's, you know, there's a lot of possibility. There's a lot of potential there for uh, some profit. So um, whether I would take him where he's going, that's another, you know, it's funny because I see Paul DeYoung next to him. And I think um, one of the guys from Fangraphs had his power upside uh, as uh, listed as a Paul DeYoung type. So whether, you know, when we see that, um, it's interesting that they're next to each other. Um, I don't know. That's a tough pick to invest so much in that market, the the foreign market. Um, I, I'm more risk averse to not do it um, in, in like a draft champions league. Um, but I don't know. What do you think about him? What have you seen? It's tough because, you know, when the pandemic first started, I was watching some of the KBO stuff. I didn't watch it as religiously as it kept going on. But uh, I, I, he was one of the names that I was told to pay attention to. So I'd watch him a bit. And I, I like the talent. There is some pop, some speed. I, I like the ability. Uh, one of the things I focus on in drafts I've talked about is I want to try to get guys that contribute in all five categories. They might not be elite in all five, but they're contributing. And that's what Kim, that's what Kim will do. Um, so I like him. Roster Resource has him predicted to hit seventh, which is kind of – troublesome if you like go back to the whole um jeff zimmerman's chart of where you hit in the order and how many have bats so on mm-hmm. as the season goes on it adds up in a hurry bat and second right. so that's something to keep in mind maybe that changes throughout the season maybe who knows but for now seventh um i like it i, I like it a lot it's hard to take him at pick 172 because you had a key part there is the unknown of the foreign players we've seen time and time again rob that these studs from overseas come and it takes some time to figure it out. Or they just don't figure it out because, because as goofy as you know the major league baseball is, because it's so watered down with so many teams at times, it's still elite compared to any other league you go to. Right. And right. I, I interviewed um, Dan Kurtz, my KBO, way back in the pandemic before the KBO started, and I said, "Where would you compare, or how would you compare the MLB to KBO?" And KBO, he was saying, I believe, was like in between Double A AA and Triple A. Interesting. So this is like basically promoting. Let's say a, a a a guy that in the in between seasons of double and triple A. So let's say a, a triple A player. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Triple A right. player promoting to the bigs, and now you're saying, okay, this is my stud starting shortstop. Interesting. Like, right. That doesn't no. happen every day. Right. So it's a way to put it. Way to put it into perspective. I it, I like that. Yeah. So it's one of those. And there's one thing because like I'm very risk averse when I draft, and that can yeah. be a detriment to me. But I don't play a lot of overalls. Like if you're in overalls, you take some risk. I get it. But I'm more of like I'm in a standard league, and I want to win this league. 
And so I'm more risk averse. It's one of those, I got to see it. And if you dominate, I'll take you as a top 10 shortstop next year. Right. Like, I'll right. pay that price. But, you know, like you mentioned, Paul DeYoung. I love Paul DeYoung. He's boring. People hate him. But what do you do? He, low average, like 250-ish average, drops bombs. Like it hits in the middle of a batting order. I love that kind of profile. Jorge Polanco's right there leading off for a good twins lineup. You got, you got talent there. It's just um, kind of how your team fills out. But yeah, yeah that's the thing, right? If you want to go, if you need a home run pick, like, Hey, let me go swing for the fences. I built this solid, you know, team of, of, of just, you know, at bats all across the board, no risk. Boom. You know, maybe you do it. You know, I think it, in that circumstance, I could see myself even doing it, but uh, I don't see my, you know, I probably not, but you know what? I have. Uh, I just took over a team in a dynasty league that Toby's in as well, and uh, yeah, and I have um, the one two and the one six, and um, you know, I'm hoping that I can get him in that ring, like you know, with the one six and in in a dynasty type format. I think because maybe he's you know a little bit more ready to contribute than your standard prospect that comes up. Yeah. Or I might just be able to flip him for, exactly. you know, for someone who's really into him. And which I realized the dynasty, you know, leagues a biggie, really heavy on um, the name value. You know, you get a lot for name value. Well, yeah, he's a shiny new toy. Like right. you, you can get a lot from him. If, especially if you're on a rebuilding dynasty. That's a great point right here. If you're on a rebuilding dynasty team and you have an early pick, you can go grab him and then flip him for like three or four pieces you can use now. Right. Like there's a that's a great point you just made there that I don't think a lot of people talk about because I don't I don't do a lot of dynasty talk on here. I do have like three dynasty teams. I love the idea of it. I'm just not a prospect guru, so I try not to get too deep in the the weeds of the situation. There's tons of great guys that do that. A lot right. than tons, tons. So, and I just um, learn from them. You know, I just go yeah. to the site and I learn. I just and the one thing they preach is just to watch the video and you know try to get a sense of. And sometimes you know in our day we don't want to just sit down and watch some prospects play baseball. But I try to throw it on in the background and do be a little yep. more aware of those things. Yeah, hundred percent. And the last thing I'll mention on Kim because he's a fun discussion, and I'm pretty sure I'll be talking about him a lot more as we get more videos and news and all kinds of cool stuff is the other reason I think he's going high and everyone's excited is there's a lot of prospect guys that are excited about him. So right. it's one of those things like you and I, who kind of focus more on the bigs, we kind of are narrow sided on what we want to see. So then you see these guys that we just talked about that are awesome at what they do, they get excited. And so then you have a group of guys going, well, this guy said he's going to be awesome. I, like I got to go take this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Industry <laughs> so, bias. Yeah. yeah. So it gets kind of fun there. And, <laughs> Hey, sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong. I'll, I'll I'll be okay being wrong this time if that's the case. Then we got a whole bunch of guys affecting the ADP market out there. <laughs> yeah, and I guess for guys like us that probably won't be drafting them, thank you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's go to the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, I just came out with my my relief pitcher rankings, and somehow out of all the positions I've released, I've re- this is the last one. I've done them all. This was my most controversial one, apparently. People are up in arms about my relief pitcher rankings. I think it's funny because I prefaced it saying this thing's a wasteland, there's going to be so many moving parts because there's so many unsigned guys, um, a lot of teams that are still looking for guys, so on and so forth. So just kind of be patient with it. Well, people either can't read or they just don't care. One of the <laughs> two. But um, Jose Alvarado is a guy I'm a huge fan of. I'm a big fan of Jose Alvarado, what he did with the Rays a couple of years ago. Then he had some family issues uh, that weren't totally documented until after the fact. Um, he was decent when he came back last year. He gets flipped to the Phillies, who had Hector Neris last year, which is a roller coaster ride. So now you got Alvarado there that people think will jump Naris, but for now, Naris still is on roster resource as the closer. What are you doing with Jose Alvarado come draft time? Because when you look at uh, NFBC ADP, 
you got host. I'm not even on pictures, so that would probably help right there. But um, I was still looking at shortstops. Thanks, Kim. Um, so you got Jose Alvarado. He's going on pick six sixty six, undrafted, unless you're in a super deep league. So what right. are you doing with him? Oh my God! Like in that context, you know, you would say yeah, I'll probably take a stab at him. Although I do think, you know, like you mentioned, roster resource still has Neris above him. I still think that's the case. Um, I still think he's going to get more of the save opportunities. Um, you know, Alvarado, that's just a good old-fashioned case of, you know, the save speculation. What's crazy, right, is that that great 2018 he had, it was only 39 innings to go. That's it. <laughs> it was, you know, it was so far in years, but it was so close in innings. But one, there's a couple things I did, like I don't like about his profile. His ground ball rate has just, you know, plummeted from 55 to 48 to 42. It's going in the wrong direction. He's not getting much, like, swinging strike-wise. Um the biggest thing that caught my eye was how much problems he's having uh, getting righties out and to a point where, you know, he, you just ha- almost have to be lefty on lefty. Um, to see, I, I looked at some StatCast zone charts and like righties were handling his pitches down in the way a lot better. Like today was swinging more and whiffing a ton less and having better Woba on it. So, um, and he's just too high for me when I like, um, for walk rate. Um, he's just too high when I like to spec on a reliever. I'm more of a low, you know, I try to get the low whip, um, spec when I do for a reliever. Um, and I just think that the, I hope so. For I mean, I'm a Met fan, but I hope as a, as a Philly fan that they're gonna add more bullpen arms to this because it's still disgusting, right? I mean, we talked about roster resource, and you keep looking, and you're like, wow, they better add some more arms. So I think that's too. That's still up there, but I don't know. I I, I used to like the 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 profile on the Rays when you know, um, and he had the ability to come in and. And get some saves chances. I think he still might get them, but I don't know if he's as effective as he was. But again, like I said, it was only 39 innings ago where he was really good. So um, maybe he could flip it around, you know? Yeah, you could flip it around. Um, depending on the size of your league, he's still going to get you the ratios because you can get some good opportunities there. The strikeouts will be there. Uh, but it just might be more situational, like you're saying. And maybe that's good for Nares too, because Nares, right. we've seen him be great, but also have some issues. So it could be one of those like we're seeing in a lot more teams these days. It's like footballs and running backs. Committees, man. It's just the way it's going to go. Um, this one can be short and sweet. I just wanted to get your thoughts on Gregory Polanco. He's got a fractured wrist. It seems like every offseason it's, oh, okay, Gregory Polanco comeback season. I've heard this story over and over again. I can't do it. There's re- people I really respect that keep giving me arguments for it. I can't do it. Now he's got a fractured wrist that might help everybody not do it. Um, were you a Gregory Polanco comeback guy, or are you just kind of like me and you're you're over it? I wasn't the comeback guy, but I wasn't out of the range he was going at when it was like my first DC, I think, in the beginning of November. It was, uh, you know, 4.10-ish, and I was like, okay, maybe. But um, I hadn't really dug into him as deep as I have done recently, and um, now, especially with the injury, uh, I'm not, even though I'm, you know, a lot of people have said that he should be back for spring training. Um, I don't know. I went to Derek Rhodes' injury timeline tool and it just was like good. everything, the hamstring, the quad, the pinky, the forearm, the wrist, the ear, like it was just, come on, like, you know, what's going on with you? But, um, you know, I, it, it was crazy because he had the COVID, he had the bruised ribs and then he's, you know, his stack cast stuff was pretty crazy in September. Um, but 
Uh, you know, you're striking out nearly 40% of the time. You know, his, his, his whiff rate in like every part of the zone is disgusting. Even like middle, middle, he's bad. You know, 42 WRC plus. Yeah. I just think he'll have trouble staying on the field in general. Um, you know, uh, his war is very low. So I just think as an overall player, he might not be seeing, um, and I, I forget his contract situation. I'm thinking that he's, uh, I forget. I just read it, but I forget it. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't think so. I, I was giving it a shot before the injury. Now, definitely no. It's tough. Uh, he's, he's out of options, so I believe. Oh, he's got club options 2023. He's, he's not expensive. Right. So he's, right. he's pretty cheap. But, uh, yeah, it's just tough. Like, he can't stay healthy, plus that the offense around him isn't great because Josh Bell's gone now, and you know, it's just it's a mess of things. Uh, Texas Rangers, they signed uh, Kohei Ariara. I, I, Arahara, sorry, um, from the Japanese league. And he's been one of their better pitchers in Japan. Uh, this last year, area three, four, six, previous two years below two, five. He, he's an innings eater. He does a little bit of everything. So what's your, uh, I'm not saying you're running out to draft him, but now it's a Rangers team. That's not great, but he's going to be pitching their second or third in this rotation. He's going to eat innings. Any interest in a guy like uh, Arihara? It was funny because I think the one thing that caught my eye was that he, you know, he threw nearly um, 50 more innings than Lance Lynn last year. So, you know, we think of, you know, and that's, you know, maybe that's why they brought over a guy like that at, at that price, just because he might be, you know, a little bit more stretched out to go than what they have in the major league level. You know, it seems like he has one of those repertoires where it's a bunch of pitches and none of them stand out. Um, they're all pretty good, but he got tons of ways to go, you know, to, five or six pitches and, you know, relying on the change of pace and uh, relying on location rather than that raw stuff. And I just think um, I, th- uh, I saw some an article on Fangraph that just showed the difference in the seam of the balls and attacking mm-hmm. it. They said it differed a, a, a ton from from the MLB, and that's where the pitchers from there tend to struggle with, with the spin of the – but they did say, though, that um, – they preferred that the pitchers had their out pitch be like a sinker or a changeup, which his pitcher seemed to be. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. This is one of those guys where, yeah, it just comes to your, I, I think, your level of risk. Like, where would, you know, are you going to go this route or are you going to take a shot at, you know, a guy who's 22, may have an upside year? Um, it seems like he might be able to give you some solid innings, though, you know? Especially at pick five four uh, forty four right now. Obviously, I, that's going to come up a little bit, but I don't see it coming up a ton because I thought that last year with like a Josh Lindblom or whatever with the hype, and he still kind of right. stayed down in the weeds for draft season. So, you know, I mentioned all that stuff I mentioned about Kim. When it comes to these pitchers, that you know, you, we see the innings and and he's based and and the price, the the draft cost completely different. I'm, I'm much more intrigued to take you know Arihara as like my eleventh pitcher. That if he has a couple of bad starts, I can just drop him instead of a guy like Kim, where you have to play him. So I'm intrigued with Arihara. I, I think I, I, I could be buying in there just a little bit. Because we've also seen in Texas, Minor, Lynn, all these guys, they make it work. Right. And so I'm very intrigued with that. Right. Right. All right. Just mentioned Josh Bell a second ago. He gets traded to the Washington Nationals, which was quite the uh, interesting move to say the least. I know they've been looking to shop Josh Bell. They finally did it, and then the Nationals were in need of some help because uh, just a couple of years removed from the World Series, the lineup was not looking great outside of Trey Turner and Juan Soto for the most part. Uh, Bell's supposed to hit cleanup. We know we had that big first half of 2019. It's 
kind of been doom and gloom since then. Do you think the change of scenery is going to help? Uh, when you look at ADP-wise, he's going around pick 188, the 20th first baseman off the board. Super cheap. Uh, any interest in Josh Bell? I don't. I don't because uh, for for the most for the biggest part of my reason is that he just isn't in that range of um, first baseman that I'm going for like where he is. Uh, I, I I like to go to like I think I'm up to like 120 with Goldie and then I'm back in at like 238 with Rowdy. Um, and I think anything in the middle, I'm just and he just never. I've never liked him when I when I get my uh, bad buckets, my Chandler bad buckets. He's never like in uh, an asset area that uh, that I focus on or that like a targetable bucket that I'm looking at. Yeah, and you mentioned that you know that one great start to the 2019, and I just took a look at his rolling graphs and his peak, you know hills and valleys, wild swings and and uh, Wober and no swing. And yeah, um, um, this is not a guy I really look to draft. Yeah, I, it's it's really really tough. I've seen guys try to make the argument for him, and like you mentioned, the guys I'd rather take chances on. Um, even I'm a guy that would rather You're take a, a chance. Walker on. guy. I, 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 I was just gonna say. <laughs> as soon as I looked up and saw it, I knew you were gonna yeah. say that. Yeah, I would take a chance on him, and I'd even take a chance on Reese Hoskins before Josh right. Bell. Hundred percent. Like, I agree. Right, they're drafted right next to each other. I I think there's something to it to a to intrigue me with Hoskins because. The one thing, and I'm, I'm not going to make this a Reese Hoskins podcast, but the more I keep looking into him for – like I had to do the first base and third base for the black book, so I had to look a little deeper at the corner positions. And Reese intrigues me because he gets a lot of hate, and I get it because he had that monster year a couple years back, and people expected that. But you look at like his really good years also uh, outside of like the last two or so. He's still at 255. Like everything he did last year, he's done like in his good years. People just expect so much more from him. So right. – now you're not paying a premium like you were. He slides right in for me now. Like, I, I, yeah. it makes sense. So. I've always liked it, like, because uh, I've known what I was going to get from him. You know, I'm never yeah. thinking anything more. Last year, my DC team, he, you know, he had a, he started off terrible, but he went on a run. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. luckily I had some depth to bench him and um, he went on a run. You know, I think like 10, 11 homers where he just, yep. you know, and he, he, it was the same week that my team took a huge leap in the standings and he was a big part of it. And, uh, you know, so that should, you know, I have a little special love for Reese over there too. So yeah, I agree. Like he's one of those guys. There's a bunch of them as you do your research and you obviously do. Um, he's one of those guys that you kind of have a floor you can expect, but a really nice ceiling. If things click where like Josh Bell's floor, I really don't know where it ends right now. (laughs) <laughs> like it, it right. gets scary. So it's just one of those things when I'm drafting, and you want to figure all that out. And you're right. I fi- like I find peace in the consistency of yeah. you know 240 and 35. Like you know, if I know that's what I'm going to get and where I I need to get him on my roster, and uh, that's he's he's consistently there. So um, in, instead of the roller coaster of a guy like Bell, yep, hundred um, percent. A couple other quickers here. Tigers, we've seen them do this time and time again, sign veteran pitchers. They sign Jose Urania, who, when he pitches, is interesting. Like, he kind of, like, sucks you in a little bit, at least in streaming options. Long-term can be wishy-washy, but we saw some decent stuff towards the end of Miami. Then he just kind of got hurt what and whatnot. I know Toby really likes him. Like, he's done deep dives into him. Do you have any interest in Urania, who's going late in drafts right now? Well, I mean, I don't. Um, and I really didn't do a deep dive because I saw – the you know the um the K minus walk rate at two percent and I stopped. 
Yeah, um, that's not ideal. No, not ideal. <laughs> I, I mean, so, but, you know, I, I'll take, I, I would love to hear what Toby has to say on it because obviously I respect that a ton. So, but I just, I don't know, I stopped there. It just, it, he never drew me in at all. So I don't know. I, I, it's just one of those guys where, you know, and I, I guess this is maybe, uh, a little bit of a fault, right? When you just like, boom, he's like, I'm not going to look at that guy at all because I know I don't like him. And sometimes you don't do as deep as a dive. Maybe you have to. So maybe I am missing something, but I, I don't know. I stopped right there. No, you're not. It's it's not a bad one to miss something on. I'll, I'll let Toby explain it on the, the SP two preview we do next awesome. week. Uh, just because it's, it's more of the pitch mix that he's okay. a fan. Right. Um, and that's why I don't know. So boom, yeah, be so I'll, I'll have him go into that. And then the, the last one we have here, another Toby favorite, um, Hansel Robles, who was once a really elite closer for the Angels. Then the velocity kind of decreased, got it back towards the end of last season, shortened season, free agent, signs with the Twins, a Twins team that bullpen was in flux last year as well. You never know. Maybe he slides into a save here or there. They still have Rodgers in town. Any interest in a guy like Hansel Robles? Uh, I don't. Again, um, I still think Rogers is the guy. I think Duffy's better. It's just one of those profiles I look at, and you know, you see like like your multiple choice test in the in school. Like, which one of these don't fit? You know, in twenty nineteen, skills wise, metric wise, doesn't fit. You know, everything else looks the same, and that season doesn't look the same. So, I will bank on the the majority of his season um, showing those skills, and you know, just stay away from him this year. Uh, one more thing I want to ask you. I should have asked you uh, during the Kim conversation, but I want to ask you before we wrap all this up. With the Padres signing Kim, Jake Cronenworth now moves to the outfield or super utility or all kinds. Of, his playing time's in flux now. Man. So a guy that was very hyped up after a nice 2020 season, he has multi-position eligibility. What are you doing come draft season with a guy like Jake Cronenworth now? I think, you know, if you still like the skill set, I don't think you should be hesitant to roster it. Um, you know, I still, you know, the whole cream rises to the top situation, you know, like, uh, if you, if you like him, I, I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say to take a step back on him. I, like we're discussing about Kim, maybe he's not as good as we think he is. So maybe he just falls right back into full time. Um, and he just got that super utility. And I think, um, it'll find its way onto the field. He reminds me of the modern day Ben Zobris now. So just embrace <laughs> it, embrace it, and run. Like, and the it, next, it'll work. and the next guy is Zach McKinstry on the on the Dodgers. There you go. God, more Dodgers. They just keep doing it. <laughs> uh, just they just torments me. Um, all right, value. This is a fun one because when I saw your tweet, I was like, I'm going to talk to Rob on my podcast anyway, so I'm not going to respond to the tweet because. Things can get so lost in, in you know 240 characters in a conversation. That's one reason I love podcasts because we right. can actually talk about things and we kind of kind of understand each other that you can't understand in a tweet. Plus, other people get involved and it gets just a million different directions. <laughs> so I know I use the word value a lot. Yeah. And so I'm curious. Can you first let everybody know what your tweet was and then what do you? What's kind of the the basis or crux behind your value comments? Well, and. I, I use it a lot too. I'm guilty of it, you know, and that's yeah. just, just, I'm trying to be a little more conscious of it. Um, and I, the thing is, I know what everyone means. That's the thing, right? We all know what we mean when we yeah. say it and I get it. I totally get it. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to fight anyone on this. It was oh, just yeah. that I read, I read it like the first time I read about it was um, Todd Zola and Rotowire, you know, mm-hmm. and he, 
you talking about his whole valuation system and he gets way into depth of, you know, the valuations and more than I can even explain or try to. So, but he's, he was just all about saying that, you know, it's all about the mindsets, right? You know, it's just all about how the way we're using the word. So he like, he proposed potential, you know, I just think like people use it too freely, like in, into some most contexts, like they're using it wrong, you know, like we really don't know the value these players have or us until they provide the stats, you know, and that's at the year end, um, you know, that's their actual worth to your team is, is when you evaluate their production versus where you drafted them. And, you know, the biggest, the biggest comeback that I get that I like um, is, you know, oh, I use it when I mean I got Devers at pick 50. So compared to Machado at 20, quote unquote, I got good value, right? Mm-hmm. But you're basically now just oh, assuming that, you know, what both of those end line stats will be, you know? So now you're predicting two, you know, certain, you know, stat, stat lines. Um, and then you can even, you know, then you get more guys lumped in, right? So compared to where Machado, Arenado, Bregman went, where I got Davis, I got good value, you know? So now you're assuming, you know, four sets of stat lines. It's, I don't know. So that's what I mean. You know, that's what, cause to me, that's what value is, you know? Like, um, I don't know. If you were like in the market for a TV and you yeah. did your research and you read all the, you know, all the reviews, 900,000 reviews, Amazon, wherever you can find them. And, you, you know, you had a price range, you narrowed it down, you go get one, right? And because it was like the best acquisition cost for your budget in terms of like the price point, the reviews and all the LTV you're looking at. And then in four months, like the picture sucks, right? Mm-hmm. What, what is, did you get good value? Right. Like maybe maybe when you bought it, you're like, oh, there's a great value, you know, but it's just a different like it should just be a different term. Like, I believe I made a, you know, a good cost, like acquisition cost for this TV because it didn't get you good value. Like and so I don't know, maybe that's a bad analogy. I just feel like um, it should it should just be more, you know, just a little more focus on how we use it and not so freely, I guess. No, it makes a ton of sense because I know that's when I use it a lot is. When we're comparing, you know, this player to this player, it yeah. brings value because I guess, and you say, you know, why we're doing it because in your head you're saying, okay, this guy should produce blah 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 blah. So compared to this guy who produces similar output, I'm getting value. Right. So that that's what we're doing there. But you're you're, you're correct because we really don't know if that's value. It's perceived, right. as, perceived, as you yeah. mentioned. So my question is, so we're we're on the same page here, and my question is, what should we call it? When we're doing analysis for a draft season and we're comparing players, um, is it the cost benefit? Because then people get mad that we're talking about the price of someone because they're right. individual. And we shouldn't talk about their price. So uh, what, that's why I want to have the conversation. What should we call it that makes sense that actually is what it is, if that makes sense as well? Right, and then I was like thinking about oh perceived value, right? But then that's yeah. another sensitive thing because then you're yeah, like, exactly. then you're casting like a perceived, you know, um, you know, just someone actually works. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like nothing worked, Bubba. This yeah. is that I've been thinking about it, and I, you know, like I said, I think Tol, like Todd Zola, the potential, um, yeah. the one you threw out. I've been thinking, and like everything is. Is, is is sensitive or uh you know i don't know i think this should maybe we should like all just like do like a real big analyst dive you know like brainstorm get together on a zoom and and figure this all out <laughs> all the proper terminology right you know because yeah because you just want to be able to say like um i think for where i got devers compared to the other guys by the end of the year because you know you don't want to say all that that's the thing so we're just choosing 
like a you know a nice safe route. We say one word, everyone knows what we mean. So I guess we just have to find a different word, Papa. That's what we yeah, have we to need do. A, we need a new safe word. We have that's to do what it. we need. <laughs> I love it. So that's yeah. our resolution, basically, is to find yeah. a new word for value. We, go. we skip ahead to the end. No. Um, but yeah, no, that, that's why I liked the discussion because I'm like, I totally get what Rob's saying. 100% agree. And I'm guilty as all heck about saying value. Probably, I bet you if you listen to the last podcast I did, I probably said it 45 times. Like I do it all the time. I think I, I can, when I write an article, I write value by 12 times. Like uh, I'm very guilty of it, but it's so hard to put into words without making it kind of a whole different situation. Right. So. And I think it's a little bit different too. You're doing a podcast, you're talking about hypotheticals, and you're looking at EDP. Like if someone's tweeting out their draft that they just got in the NFBC and like, I just got a great value on this guy. You could have took the time out to say something different. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least be like, hey, I expect him to produce here compared to this person producing here. So this is why I like this pick over this pick. Right. That's it. That's yeah. exactly it. And we're just choosing, I guess, you know, quickness. Short, short yeah. Yeah. We're right. choosing shortcuts. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Well, we'll, we'll we're, I have a feeling that discussion is going to keep going on for a while. So yeah, we'll to, absolutely. We'll, we'll see where that one keeps going. But uh, let's get into some New Year's resolutions here. And this is going to be a lot right. of fun. Um, we're going to do five players each that we kind of have a pros and cons resolution on, then a couple of strategy things, and then an overall resolution at the end before we're going to listen to questions. So I'll let you kick it off as the guest. What is your first player New Year's resolution? I'm not drafting Zach Plesak. Uh <laughs> Not where he's going. Um, I don't get the love. I think people are throwing out 2019, and it, I don't know how, and that's like the majority of his his sample size. Um, I don't know, just like league and division context first, you know, like the Indians are getting – they've gotten worse, and they continue to get, you know, worse, it looks like. Um, the Central Bats were trash last year, you know, in that short – little season we have eight out of the bottom 10 teams in OPS only the White Sox were in the top 16 in WRC plus same thing with Woba um you know they won two games in the playoff they got smoked I don't know it was just like uh general context starting off without even getting to his skill set um I just don't like it there's a lot of um things there to be wary of you know Ron right out of the forecast Ron Chandler you know the top according to Rota Dollars are in top four were from the central and nine out of the top 16 were from the central you know um so I don't know uh the Swain strike on fastballs three percent lower than league average his whiff per swipe uh whiffs per uh per swing is Seven percent lower than league average. Um, his his ball percentage, which um, another thing in the forecaster, they they have a link from ball percentage to like expected walk percentage, and you know, so his range of thirty four percent balls puts him a little more on that six to seven um, percent walk, um, which is double than what he showed in twenty twenty. The CSW in the last two years combined is below average. Um, so. I don't know. I, I heard he's a plug and play type of guy, sixth and seventh inning. He's going to work, but he doesn't really do great work in the sixth and seventh inning. Um, you know, uh, in 2019, even he had 15 innings with a 3.2 K minus BB. And in 2020, it was, it was 8%. So it's not like he's getting to those innings and thriving. So maybe that'll get cut off. And this one is just a hat tip to our guy, Toby. Um, you know, can't do a show without mentioning Toby, but, uh, you know, he brought up that three-two count stuff on Bauer, and it was pretty cool. You know, I did a little bunch of diving on it, and um, you know, he overperformed in that regard too, like Bauer did. So, 
um, you know, even going back to 2000, you know, K minus BB percentage and full counts, you're looking at sale and Maddox at the top, you know, nine and a half percent, Maddox, eight percent. And please talk with that 43 percent last year. So unless you think he's Maddox or sale, I think that goes back down to like, you know, two or three percent like the league average and or maybe even a little higher, but it still takes away a lot of his K's. And something I, I think also ties into that. I heard Alex Fast bring this up, but he had six pitches that were balls outside of the zone that mm-hmm. got called third strikes for strikeouts. So six yeah. strikeouts that were questionable, along with the full count stuff. I don't know, just overall, when I look all, at all of that, I see regression and, you know, and, and, uh, and a walk uh, tick. Um, I know some people argue like maybe his great command caused that, you know, to him to overperform it. But the same argument can be made that um, that that luck led to the great, you know, ratios, right? So um, that's that's what I'm looking at. That's why I really don't trust him at that ADP. There's the part that gets me is the ADP. Um, right. I, I, I did the diving on the last podcast. I keep looking at his stats. I agree with everything you said because what you just argued there is how I argued Shane Bieber in the past. He mm-hmm. lives on the corners. He gets these extra strikes. His command is elite that helps him do this, that, and the other. And if he slips up, it's going to be just bad. Like, it's it's not going to go well. Police act's the same thing to me, uh, except police act's velocity went down this past year, which is a little concerning as well. Right. But, like, you dig into his, his – with police act, to me, it's he's very good. His command's very good. If he adjusts his pitch mix a little bit, he could be really, really good. Like if he stops using the fastball so much and goes more slider change of curveball, those three pitches are very, very good. Uh, it's just a matter of he still throws that fastball a ton, and it's not that great. So right. that's where I get my confusion with him. I still think he's going to be a very good pitcher, and I wouldn't be shocked if he has a good season. But the part that I'm with you on is I won't draft him pretty much anywhere because at pick 56, it's we just talked about Blake Snell going five picks earlier. Earlier. Uh, you have Lance Lynn going behind him. You have Sonny Gray, who I love. You have Carlos Carrasco. Like, all these guys I'd rather take. Um, the question for you is you have Zach Klesak at pick 57. The other hot-button name, Corbin Burns, at 55. Uh, and Burns is a big question mark with innings. If you had to take one or the other, which one would you take? I'm taking Burns by far. Okay, cool. Yeah, smart. yeah. I have Klesak as, like, SP35. Ooh, God, Dave McDonald must love you. Um, all right, <laughs> my first, my first resolution. This one is um, two players that I'm gonna have. I'm gonna be very overweight on because what I project them to be this season is much better than their draft price at the moment. Mm, I like it. And I like it. Tommy Pham and Andrew McCutcheon are two outfielders. I'm gonna have a lot of come draft season, especially Andrew McCutcheon. Both these guys are just going way too late. And obviously, these are November, December drafts. So we have a ton of, um, you know, McCutcheon picked 201 to me is lunacy. And then you have Fam at 120. That's getting more reasonable. It keeps creeping up. So that's going to be interesting. But if, if McCutcheon stays where he's getting drafted, leading off for the Phillies, a guy that's got the chance to produce um, potentially 20-plus home runs. We've seen it with Kutch before. He's going to swipe bags, maybe, you know, 15-plus. He's slowing down in that regard a bit, but still um, maybe it's 10. Like, Steamer's got 26 and 9 of the 246. I think the average is low. They're low-balling him there. But he's going to help you in all five categories, close to pick 200. He's going to be a guy I got circled quite a bit. Tommy Pham I love as well. So between both of those guys, I'm going to have at least one of them probably on every team I have, if not both, as just stable outfield sources that I just put in my lineup and walk away. So I'm, I'm a big fan of those two. 
I like those choices a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, the stable, the stable choices. Um, you know, I think, and I think Fam, um, he's interesting. Like he's just, uh, I don't know. Uh, our thoughts change so quickly in, yeah. in, in such a short year. You know, so um, you know, be wary of like where did he end up last year? Like in the seventies and eighties by by main event season. You know, so um, yeah, I'm with you there. Those are great choices. All right, what's your second resolution? Um to get as much Kyle Tucker as I can. Uh you know, he's super high on my BAP board and my Mayberry method rankings. Uh, I just love his all around skill set. He's you know, so toolsy already. And um but besides the uh you know you got the power speed, uh you know, I got the aggregate of uh HQs and Masters Ball and Steamers at twenty nine, twenty two. I like that. Um but he he, he doesn't he hits all pitch types well. That's what I would I marveled at when I looked at his page. You know, he's he's hitting every single type of pitch with you know, not struggling with any any portion of the plate. He didn't have a negative run value for any part of the plate, the the heart, the shadow, the chase, the weight. Um I just see a, a, a very professional hitter already that I think will only get better. And yeah, possible, you know. Would you be surprised if he did twenty twenty? Uh, only, yeah, but would you be also surprised? Um, uh, uh, I mean, no, but would you also be surprised if he did 35 35? <laughs> no, like you know, that that range of outcomes excites me, and I think he's going to be more toward you know that top end. So, yeah, um, give me some Kyle Tucker this year. Yeah, he's a, a very, very fun conversation to have because he's going high in drafts, the talent level's insane, should finally have the playing time. So, it'll be uh, very interesting to see how that one comes into play. Um, my next one, and it's going to make a few people angry, but as a Giants fan, I'm going to say it. I am not going to overdraft Kevin Gossman. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Kevin Gossman. What he did last year was phenomenal. He's not pick 118 worthy for me. If you believe what you saw last year is what he's going to be, awesome. But we haven't seen that pretty much. It's like a little bit in 18, a little bit in 16, but for the most part, we've seen something a little higher. And the steamer projections love him which is very interesting as well. We know he's made the pitch mix changes, using the splitter more and all that that jazz, which is great. But uh, he's still, for the most part, um, a four-seam fastball and a little bit of a – little bit of a not a cutter so much, but a two-seamer. Those are his main pitches still if you go off of the pitch leaderboard. Um, I just I, – I just uh, – well, actually, the split finger is the one. It went up to 42% usage. It, it, was, it was pretty awesome, obviously, but – the splitter is the one that can disappear the fastest as well. It's right. the one that's hard to control. I think he's a really good pitcher, but pick 118, Pablo Lopez right before him. You have Charlie Morton, um, you know, Lance McCullers, love him or hate him. He's around there. There's, there's a bunch of guys that I think I'll be taking the chance on. The, the, the price for Kevin Gossman in drafts right now is, for a guy like I said, I'm not risk averse, he brings risk to the table. So you better have a stable core coming into it. So I will not overdraft Kevin Gossman this year. That's a good resolution, Bubba. Especially, uh, especially that involves your own team. You know, it's it's. Well, I like it. Works. He pitches well. I get to enjoy it in real right. life. So it yeah, works out. absolutely, um, absolutely. What's your, th- what's your third resolution? My third resolution is to um, attempt uh, a team build with Mondesi. Um, so, you know, obviously, you know, I'll go through the discussions. Everyone. Know, always talking about with him. It's just more of the strategy thing when I think about how to handle a guy like Mondesi. And um, what I think that people do wrong 
when they draft him is they stop drafting steals. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually think you should, you know, not like actually, you know, keep compensating, like keep targeting it because if you want to bake in his, uh, you know, oh, you think he's going to drop in the lineup or, you know, he's going to miss some game from soft tissue injuries. Well, if you're going to bake that in and you're anticipating losing him for some time, um, why not just back your team up with some more steals so you could just keep pace while he's out. And then if he doesn't, um, you know, lose any time or he has that season that you're wishing for, um, he, he could, you know, talk about returning value at the end of the year. He could very well be a first round guy. Um, so I just want to attempt a build with him. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be fun. So it's all about crafting, you know, like really knowing what you want to do before. And that's it. Yeah. The biggest thing, like you said, is when you enter that draft room, know exactly what you want to do because, you have to be able to bob and weave. And I love the point you made is basically when you draft him, go and just destroy the stolen base com- competition. Just right. get, like just go and take it all and, and see how it goes from there. So I like, I like that call quite a bit. I really would love to start off with like him and Tucker in the second, third, like in the beginning of the draft season, it was like we were able to do it. Now it's getting like looking at EDP. It looks like a little harder to tackle. Like I was looking at like going Cole first, you know, and then just doing the Wheeler, uh, the Tucker Mondesi type of, you know, and it, I was like, wow, I'm like maybe that could be like a really interesting type of build, you know? So no so, doubt about it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give you two stat lines in 2020. This player hit 289 with 16 homers, 33 runs, 34 RBIs, and six stolen bases. His teammate hit 308 with 11 homers, 28 runs, 33 RBIs, and three stolen bases. Pretty pretty close. Not not great, but a little less on home runs. Uh, if you look at Steamer now, player A, the first one mentioned, projected at 240 with 30 homers, 77 runs, 86 RBIs, and nine steals, where player B, 271, 29, 79, 90, and eight. So projected to be better than player A. Do you know who these two players are? They're oh, teammates. Man, they're teammates. Are they on the White Sox? No. Um, Braves? Baby Blue Jays. I'll give you that much. Baby Blue Jays. Okay, so you're talking about Teoscar and Guriel? Yes. Okay. And yes. I am – my third resolution, L- Lourdes Guriel should be drafted ahead of Teoscar and will perform better than Teoscar in 2022. I love it. I love it. I, I rage. I, I, you know, not all projections are a hundred percent, but we saw what they did last year. And my biggest takeaway, and I am a gigantic T Oscar fan, gigantic T Oscar fan. He's not hitting 289. He's more of a 250 hitter where Guriel, his lowest he's ever hit was 277. Like he's going to hit you for an average. They both have a lot of pop. They're both going to steal bases. A lot of similarities. That offense is going to be very good. So there's going to be some weeks where Guriel drives them all in, and other weeks Hernandez drives them all in. I think you're going to have more Hernandez slumps than Guriel slumps. So on a week-to-week situation, Guriel, I almost feel more comfortable as plugging in and going with. Um, and the last thing I'll mention here is the gap has shrunk. I'll put it this way. But Teoscar picked 73, Guriel 81, 20th and 22nd outfielder. It used to be a much wider gap. So wow. that gap is starting to shrink. I didn't. I looked at the ADP for the first time now. When I made the the uh, resolution, that was I didn't look at the ADP. This was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be, but I'm going Guriel over T. Oscar, which is probably not what majority of Twitter will agree with. But uh, that's one thing. Uh, my uh, resolution is: don't reach for T. Oscar. Take something else with that pick. Get Guriel to pick after, or reach for Guriel. One of those two things. I I like that, Bubba. I really do because like I'm looking at his um, 
on my on my Babs uh, sheet for this blade skill set last year, just just last year, and he's there with Machado, Jose Ramirez, and Eloy. So uh, yeah, I like it. And he's Go. only twenty seven, so enjoy yeah. that. Yeah, I like that. Good point. All right, who's your number? What's your fourth resolution? Oh, okay. So um, similar as to. Um, Mondesi, I want to dip my toe in the water with a share of Vlad Jr. and Vladito. Uh, again, you know, we know the the arguments for and against him. Um, um, uh, and uh, again, I think this is all about how you like to draft your team, you know. Um, and I think that if I could really nail my first two, you know, or my first four picks, like two pitchers, two batters, like um, take an upside play with him. Um, because, you know, like one thing I like to do is I go through finding something long for everyone at either a position or like a specific run of ADP. And when I did that for first base, um, his like, quote unquote, needs more lift um, didn't stand out as bad as the other guys, you know, uh, pessimistic view. So when I looked at it in that way, I'm like, well, nobody else is really perfect either. So and if he does, you know, um it's just loft, you know, we're just looking for loft. And um, the the best play is probably to wait one more year, um, at least, and just get a look if he can do it. But, you know, I've been doing leagues. I just, I like to, you know, spread my portfolio a little bit. And he's like not a guy that I've had yet in like last two years and this year. And I just feel like I want to dip my toe in. I, I want to try because, uh, you know, obviously he has that league winning, you know, upside mm-hmm. Um, that we all want. So yeah, I'm gonna try going against my 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 smarter instincts and saying, you know, don't do it yet. But I'm just gonna fight it. I'm gonna fight that one. I, I don't hate it because he's got the plate discipline to at worst get on base, score some runs. He's got great hit tools. That's never been the issue. It's the elevation, like you mentioned, which is weird because when he does elevate it, it goes a long, long ways. Right. So it's just a matter of tweaking it. And you mentioned it. He's if you're in an overall, this guy could win you the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like if, if he clicks, he might not. But that's the kind of gambles you have to take. Like do you do you take a gamble on Vladito at that point with his upside, or do you wait like till round eighteen to take the gamble? Like the difference in the production is not worth not the same. So right. take your gamble early, get your safer place later type situation. Mm-hmm. I I totally get it. Like if it's a standalone league, maybe not. But in an overall, I can support it a hundred percent because I, right. I think. The ceiling for a Vlad when he starts to get going, you're talking like, and people know him much better than me, but just from what I've seen, I know the talent level, and if you want to try to compare it to his father, which people say sometimes that he hits better than his dad, I don't know. But you got to imagine 35-plus home runs. Right. And he, he's, in, he's in that lineup, and they're going to be playing in Buffalo again this year. Right. And we saw what that ballpark did. We saw so, it, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Like, and you know what? When I had – when I had Ryan Bloomfield on my pod, he 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 made a great point, and it sticks with me every time I look at Vlad. You know, he he, he said he goes, you know, it's it it's harder to teach a guy to smash the ball as hard as he does than than to teach a guy to lift it. You know, and so he has the one part that's harder, you know, to do. So, um, and that's ingrained in me. Thank you, Bloomfield and the Bloom boards. But uh, you know, and, and I guess it's just like a common theme. My last two, it's like you know, my resolution is to just be like maybe a little less risk averse and try to go a little more upside play. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And that's, that's one thing I try to tell myself and that'll be in one of my resolutions coming up here is as boring and as steady Eddie as I like to be is sometimes, you know, you got to look at things and realize tweaks happen. Do you want to be ahead of that curve or do you not? Like we mentioned with Kim coming overseas, 
I'll wait. But a guy like Vlad, we've seen him in a couple of years. You know how close he is. He's putting in the time. Like he was willing to go play in the the Dominican League or Venezuela. I'm sorry, Puerto Rican League or one of the ones down there, um, which he didn't need to do. Like he does. Like he's he's got an established position. Like he did not need to be there, and he was there. So that just tells you kind of where he's at in this whole thing that he's really trying think, to figure it out. Right. And I think that's a big thing to take into context. You know, you see the weight, yep. you know, come off, you see that. Um, so maybe Papa got in his ear, you know, and say, yep. Hey buddy, Hey, you want to be great? It's, it's time to smarten up, you know, and sometimes, okay, you're right. You know, like you got this far just on raw talent. skill, you know, and talent and, um, and plus, you know, that dual eligibility, if he goes back to yep. third, he'll get that third back. Right. So first and third, um, I'm saying, so yeah. Don't hate it at all. You're going to start twisting my arm, it seems like. Because <laughs> I, I tell myself no, and then my next resolution will kind of go that route is if you don't get one of the big first basemen early, and I'll throw Vlad in there to be nice. But um, that position, like there's that middle area of like the top 10, a lot of volatility in there. Right. That, like the Voits and the Alonzos and the Olsons, a lot of upside, a lot of ceiling, a lot of volatility. I think this is one of those years where I've kind of avoided them in recent years. But the boring Anthony Rizzo's and Paul Goldschmidt's of the world going about pick 100 <sighs> is I, – I, they're just so boring to pick. They just It's like watching paint dry. But you look at their end-of-season numbers, and it's just like, yeah, they were a top 10 first baseman. And now I'm getting them outside pick 100. These are guys I used to pick early in drafts. Um, I don't have any of them on my rosters at the moment because when I go to take them, someone else jumps ahead of me there. But it's one of those like both teams, Rizzo – the back issues always concern me, but I think as a whole, that Cubs offense was so bad last year. They can't all be that bad again. They just can't. And then the Cardinals with the COVID situation and everything, I'm going to give that a, just a complete – their schedule is a, just a disaster. So I think you're getting interesting prices on Goldie and Rizzo that I'm going to try to convince myself to not be as bullish on them and be willing to roster them a little more than I had in previous years. I And, I, and you know what? I think it's the smart play. You know, you see Dom Smith and Monty and – uh, you know, the guys around them. And I don't know, I, I, I find myself, I did a DC in the beginning of November and it was more of like an early one. And I got Goldsmith in the one twenties and I was yeah. super ecstatic and I ended up getting Santana in the 400. That well, was that, just, that, the Santana price is just, yeah. and, and, you know, and that was like first thing when he was still the free agent. So it was, it he's was still 281 in the month of December. That's ridiculous. Yeah. He's yeah. going after Andrew Vaughn, who doesn't have a job at the moment. Doesn't have a job. It's pretty wild. <laughs> it's really crazy, right? But yeah, no, I love that because even in the best balls, I think in the in, in the three best balls I've done, I've gotten either Rizzo or Goldie. So that's the way I'm going with first base right now. It seems to be where I like the fall. I see those guys where they're going a hundred. You know, I think I've you know gotten them each time in the hundred. And the best ball they went a little higher because I just wanted to make sure I got first base. And but but those were they were my targets. You know when I wanted to go first. Yep, I'm with you there. What is your fifth player resolution? Oh, uh, is this is going back to our Darvish talk, and this is um, Mr. Giolito. Um, I want him uh, on my fantasy team this year <laughs> for sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, that zone contact, you know, if that's the one that draws me and I think I think that's the biggest driver of me targeting him. He's just he throws it in there and they're not doing anything with it. He, three pitches, um three pitches with CSW is over thirty two percent. He's a stud. He just I, I just uh yeah, so I, I, I wanna be brave enough to, you know, maybe when I get up to those March drafts to take him at the end of the first round. Yep. If no, he hasn't gone there already, I think he almost did, or I think that's all. He's close. He's picked 20, or he's going as high as 15. So yeah. maybe 
Yeah, yeah nice. someone went that there already once. So yeah, he probably so end up there though, right? I guess that's the one. No, he's gonna he's gonna creep in there. Like Toby was saying, he wouldn't be shocked if like seven or eight guys enter the first round by by March. Oh my god! Yeah, let's Just do the maze now. Them, uh, <laughs> <laughs> All the bats that start, start falling. Yeah, yeah. Get Trevor Story middle around too. Like Jesus. Oh yeah, yeah. please sign me up. So mine kind of goes in the Gilito vein because you had Gilito, so I didn't want to go just straight Gilito. But people, if they listen to the last podcast, episode three thirty, you know exactly what I feel on Gilito, and like he's the guy that if you had to pick one guy to jump into the top three, um, it's him. Like he, I think he could be number one. Like he's, I think he's that good. So like, I like Gilito a ton. So I want to draft Gilito, but what I'll say in a roundabout way is I want my goal. Like I've talked about in a lot of places, I want at least three pitchers in the first five rounds. That's one thing I really, really want to do because I feel like as much as I like to wade in the middle of the starting pitcher world, it's really, really murky. So I want like three guys I can trust week in and week out. You're you're in my lineup. I don't have to worry about you. You're in. Um, but to make it a finer point, I want to make sure I get at least one of the big three, Cole DeGrom, Bieber, Giolito, or Luis Castillo. I want one of those five to be my ace every, every go-round. So that'll be my resolution. I want to make sure I leave – Every draft, at least one of those big five for me. Right, right. And not just say, oh, but Jose Ramirez was yeah. right there. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. It's tough. It's tough because I've always been a bat guy first. And so am I. I can tell right. about two or three years ago, like I would never take a picture like before like round seven or something. I thought right. it was crazy talk. But that's where the values are. The, the value. That's where, <laughs> that's where the profit that, That's where the profit potential is laying right now, though, is it, it, grabbing those guys early because of the way the, the ADP is falling, you know, so – um, it's it's definitely a good strategy. All right, now we're gonna do three resolutions, like three goals or changes to our our strategies, the way we play fantasy baseball as as fantasy baseball players. We're gonna do three resolutions. So go with your first one for this is all about you. It doesn't be player based, whatever. What's your first one? Oh, my first goal is uh, to, to win the main event that I get into this year. Um, Always a good goal. Yeah, yeah. So last year, this year, this year, last year, it was my first go around, and it was a learning experience, an expensive one, but it was it was great. Um, and you know, I uh, I know what I need to get better. So you know, I really want to, I really want to get into it and and do it. You know. Well, that that's one of the kudos I want to give you because you've you've opened my eyes a lot of things because you're very open and honest about your performances, which I think everybody needs to be, but not everybody is. Like, and you flat out like you barely ever talk about winning the DC unless someone asks you. You almost always talk about how you got smoked in a main event and what you've learned from that. And right. I think that's so important to you know we can always do fun, good things and be successful at certain things, but unless you learn from what you did wrong, I know this is very cliche. You're never gonna get better. And you talk about it so much, and I think it's really interesting because it's not like you were in a ten dollar best ball. Like you were in a main event where you had to pony up some cash. Yeah. And you're like, you know what? I, it is what it is. It might have been the best investment I ever made, type thing. Like we're yeah. gonna we're gonna move on from that. I think that's very important for people to listen to because I don't play the high 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 stake stuff. Um, so I, I'm not there. I live vicariously through many of you. And um, when I hear you guys talk about it, most guys it's like you watch them on Twitter. They they're living and dying with cashing. Where you like we're like, okay, well we're gonna do this. I, I learned this. I learned this. I'm gonna do better here. I'm like, wow! Like you, like you didn't even like sulk for a while. You're just like, okay, we're moving on. This is what yeah. we got going. I'm like that. So I want to give you kudos there. Thank and then you. the other question I was going to ask you earlier in the pod, but I want to wait till now because you mentioned you're going to be in the main event. 
how many main events, how many draft champions do you plan on doing since you were the overall draft champions winner last year? You have a little extra bankroll probably in your mm-hmm. NFBC account. What are you planning on going with your, your play exposure this year? I'm still going to only do one main event um, because I want to focus in on it. I don't want to get spread too thin. Um, I like that. Um, I feel like I had that last year with general home. Yeah, like general home leagues. And um, uh, I was in a, a little over my head sometimes with Fab. And uh, I just want to make sure that I can, you know, give my all to one league and um, get better at that. So I'm going to stick to the one main. Um, I just bought a three-pack of... Uh, you know, draft champions, the 151s. Um, yeah, I'm not going crazy, you know, because uh, you know, I haven't worked in a year either. So that's uh, it kind of offset the uh, me winning. So, uh, but, you know, um, not going to go nuts. Just going to keep it respectable again. You know, like probably three to five DCs. I see myself doing it. Probably two or three more of those, uh, you know, the, uh, the the best balls, you know, and maybe, you know, a couple of the, of the uh, $10 ones with the uh, with the industry guys, because that's fun. And um, yeah, I actually just, um, you know, we're doing the bottle of the battle of the pod, uh, yeah, pod, podcast yeah. league. And um, Maddie Wood just started a standalone NFBC league, but you had to have uh, teammates. Yeah, you have to have a partner. And um, that was pretty cool. It was a highlight of my day when Jenny Butler, you know, DM me asking me if I wanted to play. And I was like, yeah, hell yeah, Jenny, let's do it. So I'm super excited. And just like, you know, three, we got about two or three dynasty leagues and one home keeper league. And that's it. You know, it's a lot, but um, yeah, not going to go super crazy with the mains. You know, I just want to concentrate on one and, and win it. No, I'm not, and you said it well, because that's how, that's one reason why I keep doing these industry leagues. A, cause I like to draft B. I like to get more people in them and see their best ball. So I don't have to worry about fab later. Right. Like we can still have fun. We can still do our thing. Right. Like draft champions, the same I'm doing the NFBC fifties, similar stuff. Like right. when it comes down to fab, I really, it's, it's so time consuming. If you want to do it right, you can't have a ton unless like, I know I keep bringing Toby up, but he talks about it. The dude is like a zombie come Sunday afternoon. We used to do Sunday night shows and I'm usually tired on Sundays, but he's exhausted because Saturday night he stays up to like three or four in the morning doing fab. Like that's just, I, I can't do that. So like I give him power, he can do it, but uh, I, I can't do it. So I try to limit the the deal there, so I, I'm glad you said that. I think um, I won't give away all the teams that are in the um, the one Maddie's putting together, but I think it's cool. Like you and Jenny, like it's unique combos. It's not just like exclusive to like big names in the industry. Yeah. I think it's really cool seeing like um, the other one I'll mention. I won't mention them, but like, like Justin Mason's going to team up with Shelly V. I think right. that's awesome. Right. Right. Like, you, like there's some really cool combos that I love. How certain things in the industry don't seclude everybody. Absolutely. Yeah, and totally. I, that, so I'm a big fantasy and stuff like that. Yeah, me too. I'm excited about that. It's so cool. Okay, my first one, and it's it's kind of – you picked the main. I, I picked a different route. Uh, I, I was going to start doing it last year, the, the pandemic hit, so I did not continue on. But it was a big topic of conversation before last season when I was talking on Twitter and people think I hated the NFBC, and that was not it at all. It was about the price points for a lot of – the average player can't play in these tournaments. Right. So – I use the argument that if you think you're good enough, we can build bankrolls. So it's kind of like a bankroll challenge. So I was going to do anywhere from three to five, like um, Roto-Wire qualifiers that are 50 bucks each and stuff like that. Like to kind of show how can we build our bankroll to move up the levels? Cause that was the argument everybody made. So my goal is I'm going to enter five ish, maybe a couple more of those Roto-Wire qualifiers. And my goal is to win at least two of them. And awesome. so I'm going to, that, like, that's the thing is I'm going to try to limit to those, 
and then I'll have like a couple other fab leagues. So those will be, like those will be my exclusive like fab leagues. And then and, and part of me thinks, okay, I can go spend you know a few hundred bucks doing that instead of thing one big thing. That's kind of my mindset. But my goal is to show people we can we can do this. And that's kind of how I want to go about it. So my goal is to win at least two of the qualifiers. That's my goal this year. That's awesome. That's that's awesome. I like that. And I like that, you know, just showing people that there's different ways to get to where, you know, you want to play and um and like people would DM and me that weren't really uh, knew about the NFC. And I didn't you know this is my first year. Well, I did a second chance league in 2019, but 2020 was my first full season playing NFBC. You know, it took me a while to get to there too, but it was just did it at home. You know, it was just, you know, uh, winning leagues at home and just getting on a bankroll. And if it wasn't going on vacation with the wife, it was, you know, she, you know, I, I, I told her it was a goal of mine, you know, last year, it's like when I win one of the home leagues, I want to play this league, this main event league, you know, I want to, and I want to play against the best. And so, um, you know, I, that was my goal. And like you said, it's great. Cause you can show people like, Hey, you don't have to just go there immediately, you know, have a firm place, uh, a firm step in hand, you know, and, and get there. I like that. And you get comfortable with the formats and all that stuff before you're just jumping into the shark infested waters. <laughs> no, that's huge. Right. Yeah. All right. What's your number two? Oh, so my number two is I just want to become more well-versed on like valuation systems, you know, to hear Toby and Phil talk about the SGP and, um, the, you know, reading the process, talking about the Z-score methods and things about that. And I, I, I never really dabbled with, you know, like spreadsheets and, and stuff like that, you know, like uh, union carpenters don't really fuck with that stuff. So, <laughs> but so now that I'm learning stuff and I'm like, oh, wow, this is cool. Like what, you know, and not to say I'm just going to totally use it, but I just want to, you know, know about it. I want to know what, you know, what everything um, means and how other people approach, uh, you know, valuing players. Uh, Cause I think it's pretty cool how sometimes, you know, I'll talk to plenty of people and we'll talk about a player and it's like, wow, you do things so differently than I do, but we feel the same way about a player. You know, and I marvel at that because it's pretty cool how we can get to the same decision on a person with having different routes to get there. So that's my goal. I want to learn, I want to learn um, SGP um, and, you know, really understand it and, you know, maybe try to incorporate it anywhere I can to help me because I think um, part of winning a main event is like, I have, I want to know what other people, like how other people draft too. So um, if I can have, if I could notice uh, a trend of the way guys drafted or evaluation system you may be using, maybe I can use it to my advantage. So, um, so that's my, that's my second goal. Yeah. My second is very similar to that. It's, I want to, I don't know if I'll get to it this year, but I want to keep working towards it. I want to be able to like, make my own projections mm, but nice. a lot of that involves excel work and stuff that i'm very stupid with so <laughs> i got i want to be able to do stuff like that so i can use what's in my head of how i'm looking at this player and talking about this player and actually show it to people like these are why i feel this way about them instead of just reading steamer which they're really solid and they're good for a reason so that's why i use them but i want to be able to come up with maybe not like atc projections but use something that i can make work and I might just do it, you know, go with the, the the smart fantasy one and go check out all that stuff. I don't know. But I want to be able to do something kind of more customizable to my thought process, my draft process. Maybe when I do that, then there's guys that stand out or don't stand out that I need to go look at more. Stuff along right. those lines. And I want to be able to do that. And, and people say, even Phil talks about it. It's super simple with Excel. And when I was in college, I, I knew it very well. College was a long time ago. 
So um, I need to get back into that. But I'd love to be able to get closer to doing like my own projections instead of the joke I make on the show that I'll give you caveman projections. And we'll <laughs> go from there. So that's one. That's that's my number two. And, and and that's and that's you know it's it's funny you mentioned Phil like he's great Phil's awesome like and you know when he he tells me the same thing you say like he he just wants to be able to know that it's his valuation it's his you know outlook on things and you know sometimes when you just hear someone explain something a certain way like you just did too it, it really rings true right it's like wow like you know I'm drafting also what other people like think mm-hmm. you know like I want to do what I want to think you know like how I think and that's awesome that's great I would um that's an awesome goal Bubba that's a uh, it, it, it's what it's still going to be labeled caveman projections, though, right? But, oh, of but, course. Yes, of course. awesome. Yeah, or I think that's along, such a big sell. That's, yeah. that's a that's a, a t-shirt. It's a, it's a, that's everything. It's a, got it's, it. a niche, it's a niche department. No one's really got <laughs> caveman on. Like it would be great. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Uh, what, what's your number three? Um, so I want to try to um. So I was reading the forecaster and just looking at um starting pitching, relief pitching landscape in general. The last four or five years been such a shift in the amount of innings the pit you know the starters are thrown and the relievers are throwing and I think when you have shifts in like leagues league landscape like that you you, you, you kind of have an opportunity maybe to find the next you know way to draft uh, a, a team a next team build like a, a pocket aces per se but not pocket aces you know so I want to just attempt to, you know, implement and execute that next strategy. Like, I know it's a daunting task, but like I said, I think I think it helps when landscape changes, you know? It's like when something changes, like baseball is changing now, like you might be able to find something that may be able to work, you know? Maybe it's like hybrid strategy of pitchers and, you know, two or three inning pitchers like, uh, you know, Freddy Peralta's and Luis Patino's. Like, who knows? Like, whatever you find your way to do, so... Um, that's what I'm going to try to do. I want to try to come up with something really, you know, it's going to take a lot of work and a lot of vision, but um, I'm going to try it. You know, something crazy. I like it. I'm looking forward to it because there's pocket aces. I've heard the term full house for this year, <laughs> which is kind of what I, I, in a roundabout way, that's what I'm trying to do. I didn't realize that's what it is, but that's what people are doing. Um, I know guys in your vein of the kind of uh, the Seth Lugos of the world and stuff, get Frank and aces, put like two of those guys together to create an ace. Um, that's more of a daily moves league. So how do you do it in a, in a PC league? I'm with you. It'd be, it'd be fun right. to find the next the next one for sure. Would you say Frank and Aces? Sorry, Frank, Frank and Ace, like Frankenstein, oh, Frank but yeah. oh, you gotcha. create an Ace by using like two pitchers, like oh, um, nice. you like a Seth Lugo, and when he was like a like a two or three inning guy with someone else, create a Frank and Ace. Interesting. I like it. Yeah. I never heard that before. Where have I been? Yeah, no, it's all good. It's all right. it, um, my last one, and it's one I could probably put on every season because I need to get better and better at it. I want to be better with Fab. I I, I really can't expand too much more than that. It's just I, I need to be more efficient with it. I need to be – I talk about it as, you know, don't just put in one move for a guy. That if you don't, you don't win that bid, he's still on your roster. Put in 12 moves. So at least you get someone that you might be willing to use that week instead of like – there's a lot of the fab process I really need to figure out that um, I need to continue to get better at. So fab is a big one that I'm pretty sure it's going to be on my list for quite a while. That's a great, that's great. I, you know what? I'm like kind of mad. I didn't pick that one too because <laughs> looking back, I'm like, yeah, that just hearing you say it now, like, yeah, I had a ton of work to do in that too, especially with that backup big thing, you know, and, and like you say, get know how the league site works. You know, that's why I think that little, brief intro I did 
to the NFBC in a second chance league in 2019 helped me. It's still, I still, I felt like I was a ton behind. Like I was learning on the fly because this, but um, yeah, de- definitely understand and and know how to do that. It, it's 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 not easy, and I think that what and and this is what I learned in the main event. Like I, it was sometimes they were looking at some of the batters going for like a buck or two, and I'm like, what is, you know, what are these guys gonna do this weekend? Those were the guys that were, you know, so. I'm missing something there that I want to like, you know, reevaluate in my head. Like how, how are these specific one or $2 bids always outperforming the ones going for one twelve? you know? So yeah, stuff like that. Awesome, Bubba. All right. The last resolution we have, what is one resolution that you want for yourself as a member of the fantasy community? Oh, well, you know, I just want to promise myself and, my supporters that I, I, I want to get better, you know, as a, as a podcaster, as an analyst, as a fantasy player, um, you know, I just want, I, I want to become better at everything, better friend, a better person, all that fun stuff. You're just trying to better myself all the time. And um, just having met so many people now and, you know, networking out is pretty cool. So I just want to really reinforce all those, you know, all, all the new, friendships I made. I just want to really have like a nice, you know, uh, community. And so that's, and also for like a full baseball thing too, to incorporate more, like, I really want to try to get into the, uh, like the, uh, like the science of baseball, like the swing path stuff, you know, the seam wake shift that I'm reading about now. I'm like, Oh my God, what is this stuff? Is it going to so help me? It, you know? Crazy. So like, that's the thing is like, and so, you know, I know like the whole age of information, like it just explodes at you. And it's just like the stack stuff too. So, Maybe if this stuff is going to be the next thing, like the point of contact, stuff like that, like I want to understand the verbiage now. So when we're starting to like throw around stats, I'm like, oh, okay, I know what that means, you know? So it's like when you first like, you know, get into analytics and you read about WOBA and like, you know, you want to, you have to know what it means, you know, to really use it as a, as an evaluation. So yeah, I, I want to learn anything I can that in the scientific world and see if I can apply it into, into fantasy. Cause I know it could help me in baseball, just watching oh, yeah. baseball, like, you know, but you know, hopefully maybe find a way to apply it to winning fantasy. No, I'm with you there. So yeah, we're pretty similar. Obviously I want to get better at uh, the growing the podcast. I want to be better at um, writing. And that's something that's a goal I've had for like three straight years and I'm writing more and more every year. So that's, that's something I want to do because if you think my K-Man projections are funny, you should have thought some of my first articles. Those were entertaining. <laughs> um, but I think I think if I had to pick one thing I really want to do better, and I, I mentioned it during the, the pandemic. I've done a little bit of it, but I'd like to do more. I want to get better at video content because I think that's definitely kind of a wave of the future. Type. That's where everything's going, it feels like. Um, you're either podcasting or you're doing a video, like a vlog or something. Um, I'd like to do better at being able to like, edit videos and Used graphics and stuff along those lines. Right. That's one thing I really want to do this year. That would be, yeah, that's cool. That's a good goal. That's something I think, and you're right. That's the thing. That's the next wave of, of attracting, you know, a crowd and, and, and just really getting out like uh, content in a different way, you know, because yep. some people just absorb things better too, you know, visually. Yep. So, uh, so yeah, that's awesome, Bubba. I love yeah, for, it. Yeah, for some reason, people like I've always had a face for ra- or a face for radio, but people actually want to see it for some reason, and I, I, don't, <laughs> I, I don't get it. But to each their own. Um, let's do some listener questions here. Our buddy David Mendelson uh, from Triple Play Fantasy, he asks, 
what is it like winning that much money like you did in fantasy baseball? If I could win a sum like that, my fiance might actually think the amount of time I spend in this world would be worth it. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, D Mendelson. I love Dave. He's a, yeah, so it's funny he mentioned the fiance, you know, be more accepted of that. You know, it's like it definitely helps, you know. It's like, it does not hurt. <laughs> it, 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 it did not hurt. But, you know, I'm lucky. I'm grateful. I had a wife who, who pushed me, you know, to, you know, to, to try my hand in these things and not like say, hey, you know, what are you doing? So she realized I love it. And so anyway, it was a crazy feeling, you know. It was um, – I still can't really describe it, you know. It was it was amazing, and it was also a complete shock, you know. Um, like I was saying before, like just for general context, like the end of 2019 sucked for like my whole family and me. So it, 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 the way the way that it led to that, the podcast, and then winning that, it was just like that was what like really um, took me over, like took my body over, like wow, like this this just happened like that, you know, like it's like a fairy tale fucking story. Excuse my language, but you know, it's like, it's, it really, it really was. And um, it was funny. I never forget it because I sat there staring at the screen. Bloomfield tweets me out. Hey, congrats. And I'm like, is it over? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, how do you know? <laughs> and like, they didn't call me. <laughs> so it, it was pretty wild. And I was just so stuck. I never forget the red zone was on in the background for hours. You know, when it ended, it plays the music. Oh, yeah. It was on. It was on my TV until 10 o'clock, 1030, awesome. as I stared at my computer, just like, um, you know, it, it was awesome. You know, I was frozen. And But you, you know what's crazy? And this kind of, like, bugged me out. Like, it's like, what's you know, what's going on in my head right now? It's like, it's um, I have I have the Mamba mentality on my coffee table. Um, and every day, like, I read a page or two just to get some, like, you know, a little motivation, a little Kobe motivation. And... One of the things that like really got me was like he said like one time when they won the championship he didn't feel like celebrating he took he shot bad from the free throw line that game and wanted to go work on free throws right and in my head like as as the clock is ticking and I'm winning I'm thinking in my head like how do I get better next year you know like that was already on my mind so like and I had to like refocus my wife was like can you just like enjoy it a little because I told her how I was feeling and she's like what are you what are you nuts? I'm like, nah, I'm just, you know, <laughs> it was, yeah. I was so overwhelmed by that. So yeah, it was crazy, man. It was, it was just wild ride, you know, but I'm grateful for that. I understand when I had my big win in uh, DFS, it was a wild one. So I, I totally, totally understand. It's a different experience. Was it baseball, um, Bubba? Yeah. MLB. I hit a uh, $4 entry for 50,000. Oh, sweet, man. Yeah, I remember watching the last game and then just kind of like sitting there on the couch staring at the TV. Like, what just happened? What just happened? Yeah, what just oh happened? Oh, my God, that's amazing. Yeah. I, know, I know what you're saying where you're just kind of sitting there like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, it's life-changing, you know, and you and, and you just don't know how to react, you know? So yep. that's awesome, bro. It's good to hear that. I never knew that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah about three, four years ago, something like that. So, yeah, it's pretty sweet. pretty sweet. Uh, our buddy Phil Dussault, we've, we've mentioned him a few times. First question he asked for you. Last year, you won the DC by waiting on closers. Who's one sneaky closer going after pick 450 that you think can give you 15 plus saves in 2021? Ooh, I like this one. Oh, man. So this is like, it's funny. When I got into the DC, there was the first like place I went to, to that I really wanted to break down was closers and. Like you mentioned, it's a mess. There's free agent that's going to sign. Landscapes will change for sure. But, you know, you still love to dig in and find that little nugget. And um, 
I wrote down like a couple of guys like Wendell King, Joe Jimenez. I still think can get there, but my biggest target, and I know a lot of people, you know, uh, saying that they just got Rafael Montero, but I still think actually Kendall Graveman's going to be the guy. Um, so Monteros are eligible in 2022. So I just don't think that a rebuilding team, you know, I'm looking at that context of, you know, are they going to really drive up this guy's worth right now on a rebuilding team? And so when Graveman went to the pen too, he, he velocity, yeah, he velocity went up like, you know, two miles an hour. He had a three, six ERA in the pen short, short sample size. But if you read, you know, I dug up some Seattle uh, newspaper articles and, um, the coaches loved him and he seemed to really enjoy being in the pen. And so that's a stab I already took. And I think it's a stab I'll still take um, late closer wise. You're like the second or third person that's told me I need to reevaluate Kendall Graveman. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to look at that. Cause I, I just have horror stories of beforehand, right. but yeah, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I need to dig back in there. Cause he had a great uh, price tag right now. Let's put that yeah, way. 100%. Um, the other question he asked, and I have a feeling he's part of this answer who are the all-star guests that are already booked for the pull hitter pod in January and February? <laughs> yeah. Phil, Phil knows he's always welcomed on. We, we always talk about ways to get him on the show. We actually have some pretty, a pretty cool segment that we're going to start including into like the podcast. I do that's going to include Phil, but we're not ready to throw that out there into the world yet. But um, right now, uh, yeah. So I've, I've scheduled some guys for January. Cause one thing I think I'm just trying to be more, uh, a little more structured this year um, and looking ahead, you know, um, obviously something I, I, I wasn't used to. So just trying to set a specific schedule and at least just try to attempt to give people like a month. And some people, like, I don't know if I'm, if, if people respond like, what's this kid not like it's a month and a head. Like, but you know, I'm just, just trying to like, you know, keep a nice structured thing. So I reached out to, you know, um, guys like Matt Motika and Todd Zola, they're going to come on and uh, Steve Braun, uh, Scott Jenstad, um, Maddie Wood. Um, so yeah, and 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 of course, like everyone who I previously had on already, I'd love to get on again as we get closer to, um, you know, the start of the season. Um, so yeah, that's that's what nice. I got. Yeah, that's Mike's what I got. Murder, Mike Murderer's row right there. Yeah. Um, Richard Koloski asks. Um, let's play Eno Saris's Would You Rather. So kind of <laughs> I a, love how Eno jumped in. I'm sorry, but I love how no, he jumped he in last night. Funny. Like, was this for me? <laughs> so who has the better fantasy season and why? No equivocating. And yes, these players have different skill sets. So just would you rather uh, corner infield, Yohan Moncada or Paul Goldschmidt? Goldie. Javi, at middle infield, Javi Baez or McNeil? Oh, this one I thought I thought – Oh, this was ended up being my closest one, and I'm going. I'm I'm always a Harvey guy. I'm like a recency buyer, taking advantage of him where he's going right now. But I'm going return dollar value. I think what they're asking for, and I'm going McNeil. I think he's going to shine with accumulating stats and an elite hit tool. So I'm going McNeil. Better team this year too. Um, outfield: Bryce Harper or Kyle Tucker? I think I know your answer here. I, you know what? But. In terms of his question for return Dalva, I still think Harper is going to bring back more. Harper's so underappreciated. He really is, Bubba. I'm glad you said that because uh, you know what? You know what I kind of think he is? I think he's the Mike Trout of the second round. You know, like how Mike Trout is like, it's like, oh, I can't lose a league with Trout. You can't lose with Harper in the second round. So that's my little analogy of him. So I still think in terms of return Dalva value, I still think he'll, I think he's going to out, out pick. Tucker by like a dollar or two. 
Yeah, I'm with you there because and Har- and Harper brings the floor, but his ceiling can be crazy. We've seen that MVP ceiling. Oh right. man! Right. And then for pitcher, well, he already answered this one. Corbin Burns or Plesac? Burns. It burns. Uh, it burns. Uh, the last question we have here is from my buddy Art from Triple Play Fantasy. A little cheesecake. Um, how are you addressing unsigned players? Are you following rumors? Not letting uh, where they may sign affect your drafting. So. We mentioned relievers, but there's also a lot of other players and positions that are unsigned. How is that affecting your drafting of these players? Yeah, um, that's a great question because I think it's a like a case by case guy. Uh, you know, um, for a guy like Carlos Santana, I wasn't when I was drafting him early in the year. I wasn't really worried about where he was going to end up. I thought he was just going to have a job no matter where he went. I was trying to like, I was kind of trying to look at um, the first couple guys who signed and seeing the amount they were signed for compared to their war and just kind of see like oh, Carl Santana still has a job. Like he's still, he's still going to be a starter first baseman. So I wasn't so worried about him, but um, I guess guys like, you know, Osuna, um, it makes a big difference on when they're going to go. You know, DJ LeMahieu is um, way off of, you know, just stay away until he signs with the Yankees, you know, basically, but it, it's, it's, it's tough because, and one thing, the one thing I would say about, following the news, mining the news, right, is you just got to be careful about what you're actually yeah. believing in, you know, because sometimes we just, uh, all right, so, you know, that's what we want to be on. That that gives us a little leverage, a little edge. But, you know, not every manager statement is clear-cut, right, Bubba? Like, it, there's nothing that's ever like, oh, this is this is what I'm saying, so this is true. So you can really kind of just, you know, it's tough. It's a tough evaluation. So I'm, I'm – if it's a guy who I think is going to land a job in, in, in a park, like he's the, like not a park affected guy, uh, I'm staying in on him at a reasonable price. But if it's a situation where the player, I'm like, eh, I don't know where he's going to sign or where he might play, then I'll be more reluctant to draft him. I'm hundred percent with you. That's why Santana, I agreed. I was all about because you knew he was going to get a job and his price was a lot different. Ozuna, you still have to pay a premium for him because of what he did last year. And you have no idea where he's going. Right. So it's definitely a case by case basis, and I guess if I have to, if I am I if I am really concerned, I'm just going to pass, and it might stink. But that's the that's kind of the part about drafting early. You right. draft an early, take advantage of some, and you'll get hurt on others. That's just how it's going to work. Um, how do you want to take the the approach in the draft? So right. right now, I probably wait more often than not. But all right, Rob, that'll wrap us up on we the episode. It. Final thoughts, plug away, do all your good stuff. All right. Well, again, thank you, Bubba. Again, it was amazing just being um, able to come on the show. Like I said, I really looked up to you since I really started listening to pods. And so I respect the hell out of what you're doing. Um, So, yeah, you can find me at at Deadpool Hitter on Twitter. Um, I also have a page for the pod at uh, Pull Hitter Pod. I have the Pull Hitter Podcast. have a website, pullhitter.com. I don't have tons of articles on there, but again, like you mentioned, I really want to, you know, try to hammer that home this year, writing a couple of articles um, a week. Um, and yeah, that's where you can find me. Hit me up. Let's talk about life. You know, um, just want to meet nice people who aren't bags of shit and want to talk about good things in the world. You know, that's it. It's I'm not that hard, Bubba. No, it's not. It really isn't. It's not hard to be a nice person. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, check out Rob on Twitter. He's an awesome dude. Awesome dude. Very open to conversation. He's a heck of a fantasy player. So go check out all that good stuff. And uh, thanks for joining me, my friend. We will do it again sometime. Thank you, Bubba. Yep, absolutely. All right, everybody. You, uh, New Year's Eve. Everybody. You, yeah. Happy yeah. New Year's to you and to yeah. all listeners. Uh, Rolling out of 2020 with Bubba. 20. This is great. 
2021, hopefully better and bigger and better things to come. But uh, this was Bench with Bub episode 331 with Rob DiPietro. Catch you guys next time. Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.